else here that has to have everything lined up? All right, I get some people pointing to their spouses and whatnot. Uh, we love y'all. We really, really do, and uh, that's a good thing. And, and she, well, the truth of the matter is she learned it from me, okay? So I kind of uh, have to have things kind of all together in a line and that sort of thing as well. Uh, and now's the time for us to uh, read the Bible and study the Bible together, so I hope you have uh, your scriptures with you and you're ready to go. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. title of my message this morning is uh, work hard and rest well. Work hard and rest well. I want to talk about that today. And uh, uh, you can go ahead and turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 6 and get ready for that study. Proverbs chapter 6, and that'll be a great, great thing. All right, uh, there are a couple of things that I want to share with y'all before we get started uh, in uh, studying the Word together today. Uh, we have an event taking place next Sunday night, <clears throat> and this is uh, an event that parents want to listen up for. We're going to be having a, a, a parents' night out uh, next Sunday night. Our TNT high school kids have arranged a great time, fun time, uh, for your kids here, uh, and it's a Duck Dynasty theme. Yeah, they can come dress if you want to or not, doesn't matter, uh, but that's not for y'all parents to come. Uh, you come drop them off, and then y'all go and uh, have fun, do a date night, come back and pick them up about 7.30, and you can drop some money in, uh, and that's kind of a fundraiser for TNT trips. Uh, TNT is uh, our teenage ministry here. Our second thing is uh, two weeks from today, on, on uh, November the 10th, we're having the AIT Choir uh, from uh, Advanced Individual Training Choir from Fort Lee, and uh, we do a lot of ministry for, with them, and they're going to be here with us uh, to worship with us, and the AIT Choir is going to be doing a concert in two weeks. It's one of the coolest things we did all last year, so you don't want to miss that. We got one service that Sunday. Everybody say one service. I was terrible. Everybody say loud, one service. All right, the time of the service is what time? 10.30, and after church, we're going to have what? We're going to have lunch, and who's going to make lunch? No, we are going to make lunch. What we want you to do is make enough lunch for you and a couple other choir members, and remember, those rascals eat a lot, okay? So uh, fix a, a good meal for that day. We're going to have fun that day. I promise you'll be blessed. Uh, by being here. All right, let's uh, study the Word of God together today, and I hope you're ready to roll up your sleeves, get to work, have your notes section out uh, in the program or in your journal. I am impressed by the number of individuals that bring their journal uh, to take notes on the message. I never go anywhere where I'm hearing a lesson or sermon that I don't take my notepad to take notes down on, because I don't want to sit there like a lumpkin and stare out in space uh, and not get anything from what I'm learning. Man, I want to jot down some notes, think through what I'm thinking about so that I can come back to it later on uh, because I figure any time the Word of God is open and is being preached uh, with conviction, man, I can learn something, all right? And so that's what I do. So I, I'm really impressed by the number of people that do that. Thank you for bringing your Bibles or your iPhones or your tablets, uh, whatever uh, you have to read Scripture with us today. That is good. If you don't have any of those things, don't fret. This next Sunday when you come back, uh, bring them along because I'm a Bible teacher and uh, we love to study the Word of God and uh, that will be a great thing. Now, I want to talk about work hard to rest well. As a matter of fact, you're going to see the rhythm today as I move through the message that there is a rhythm that God has built into life and that is we as His creatures are to follow His example by working hard so that we can rest well. 
And if you don't work hard, you will not rest well. Let's talk about that today. And you're saying to yourself, of all the subjects that we could look at in the book of Proverbs, by the way, I'm only teaching six lessons about how uh, what eternity-focused parents ought to be teaching their children. You might say, well, why is this so important? I hope by the end of the day, you will be able to understand that this concept of teaching your kids to work hard so they can work uh, rest well is central to the message of the gospel. We are studying, and uh, we have a Tuesday morning Bible study, and some of the guys that are here, every Tuesday morning at, at 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, we have a Bible study, and I make almost all of those. It's one of my favorite times of the week. It's open to anybody that like to come in. Any guys that would like to come, all right? And uh, uh, we do have uh, ladies' Bible studies going on another time. But our teacher, Rico Patterson, great buddy of mine, is going to be preaching for me next Sunday. Y'all don't want to miss Rico next week. I'm telling you, he will like to join up, all right? I promise you that. Uh, if you came in asleep, you will not leave asleep. I promise you that. He's a great Bible teacher and a powerful uh, teacher of the Word of God. Don't miss that. But last Tuesday morning... He was teaching our Bible study from John chapter 2, Jesus cleansing the temple. And there was a phrase that we kind of locked in on that I thought a lot about as I moved through the week. There's a phrase, go ahead, uh, next, next slide there even, show us that phrase. In John chapter 2 and verse 17, Jesus says, as he was turning over the uh, money changers' tables and clearing out all the rubbish from the temple, Jesus said, zeal for, my, for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. The word zeal means intensity. It means vigilance. It means passion. The opposite of that is apathy. And parents, I want to shoot straight with you this morning. Unless you are zealous for your children's eternal destiny, unless you're passionate about that, unless you have an intensity and a vigilance every single day that they draw breath to get them to heaven, guess what? They're going to go to hell. Because Satan wants nothing more than to see your family destroyed and to watch your children wander like the rest of the world into an eternity without God in hell itself. This morning, we're, I want to teach uh, the third eternity-focused parenting lesson in this series. Now, the first week, I said, I taught that the very first place to start for parents who want to get their kids to heaven is that they need to teach them to fear God. Say that with me. Fear God. Lesson number two last week had to do uh, with the choices that we make. And I said that the choices that we make have what? Ah, y'all didn't listen last week. The choices we make have consequences. Say it out loud. The choices we make have every choice, good or bad, has a consequence. Unless we teach our children that the choices that they make, that they have consequences, man, I want to tell you something, they will not live, grow up to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to teach you today the importance of teaching your children to work hard and rest well. Now, I'll tell you, if you don't care where your kids spend eternity, you can just close off the sermon today. Because I want to talk to parents who are eternity-focused, who have a desire that their kids go to heaven one day, all right? And what I want to teach you is that unless you teach them to work hard and to rest well, 
they probably will not make it there. Now, the three questions I want to answer for you this morning, write down. Question number one is, what must I teach my children about work and rest? What must I teach my children about work and rest? Now, there are two things that the book of Proverbs teaches about rest. Number one, it teaches that laziness is bad. Everybody say the word bad real loud. Bad. Laziness is bad. But work is good. Laziness is bad, but work is good. Let's track through the book of uh, Proverbs and see this. First, let's talk about laziness and see what the book of Proverbs has to say about laziness. By the way, there's as much about laziness and hard work in the book of Proverbs as any other subject. I find that amazing, uh, and I think by the end of the day you'll understand why he puts such a strong emphasis on that. Now, chapter 6, verse 6, he gives an illustration. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Anybody know what a sluggard is? Anybody that was at a family movie night on Friday night, there were two snails, looked like snails, one was skinny and the other one was fat, and uh, they looked like snails, and they were key. Uh, uh, family movie night is a, is a movie night that we have for families, okay? Do you understand that? And it was a cartoon movie. They're, and they're two of the uh, key characters. There was two snails, all right? One, one was skinny, and the other one was fat. And uh, somebody said to the first, to the, to the snail, they said, are you both snails? And one skinny snail said, yeah, I'm a snail. The other fat, slu- uh, other fat snail said, no, I'm not a, a snail. I'm a slug. You know, that's what a sluggard is. He's a slug. He is a procrastinator. Anybody have a procrastinator in your house? Huh? Is anybody here a procrastinator? The Bible says you're a slug. All right? I saw that whack, all right? And, uh, you know, uh, you're a slug. You procrastinate. You're a lazy person. Let's read what the Bible has to say about a person who is lazy who's a sluggard, who procrastinates. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider his ways and be wise, has no commander, no ruler, uh, or overseer, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Go to chapter 10 and verse 26. Chapter 10 and verse 26. He says, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him out. Now, if you have a task that you want to get done, what type of person do you assign that task to? Do you assign it to a sluggard that has nothing to do, or do you assign it to someone that's busy about life and has more to do than he can possibly get done? You assign it to the second person. Why? Because you'll sit there forever waiting for the sluggard to get the job done. In fact, you'll wait forever for him to start the job. Whether a diligent person, man, he is all about working all the time. In uh, chapter 15, verse 19, he gives another statement about, uh, about sluggards or, or about uh, uh, someone who's lazy. He says, verse 19, chapter 15, the way of the sluggard or the way of the lazy person is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Chapter, 5, uh, chapter uh, 21 and verse 25 and 26. Turn with me, chapter 21. Everybody go there. Chapter 21 verse 25 and 26. He says, The sluggard's cravings will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. The sluggard wants things. It doesn't work for him. So he never gets them. Why? 
because he doesn't work for them. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 26, everybody turn there. Chapter, uh, chapter 26, verse 13. It says, the sluggard says, there's a lion on the road. A fierce lion's roaming the streets. But just like a door that turns on the hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. In other words, he doesn't do anything about it. The sluggard buries his hands in the dish, but he's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser than in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. Now we've read what the uh, book of Proverbs has to say about sluggards, about laziness. Remember, laziness is what? Bad. But hard work is what? Good. All right, let's read about that. Go back to chapter 10. Chapter 10, let's go through just several of these Proverbs that talk about uh, the, just the benefit of hard work. Now, if you're going to sleep on me right now and you got a kid or you got a grandkid or you know a kid, you are doing them more harm than you can possibly imagine because they need to get these spiritual truths. So let's pay attention to what the Bible has to say. Chapter 10, verse 4. Chapter 10, verse 4. It says, lazy hands make a man poor. Now that makes sense to us, even though we don't like that. Lazy hands make a man, makes a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. son. Chapter 12, verse 24. Chapter 12 and verse 24. Read what it says there. He says, diligent hands will rule, but laziness leads, ends, and slave labor. Diligent hands find opportunities. And there are opportunities everywhere. And they go to work to bring those opportunities to fruition. But the lazy person just allows the opportunities to just kind of roll on past. Chapter 12, verse 27. The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. What I get from that is that the diligent man uses the resources that he has, not waiting to get resources that he does not have. Now, let me give, me, give you an example. We used to, I used to have a friend. Uh, he was more of an acquaintance than he was a friend. Uh, I think he attended church maybe twice, and this was 20 years ago. Uh, but I remember that this guy, you would know him even if I called him by name, this guy used to call me regularly. He called me regularly and asked me what the scripture reference was for my message on Sunday. And I thought, well, maybe I'm getting through to this knucklehead. You know, he never goes to church, but maybe he's reading the Bible. And so I'd give him the scripture reference. This went on, I don't know, it must have happened six or eight times. And I finally asked him one day, I said, dude, you keep asking me for the scripture references. Why are you studying the Bible? Or, you know, why do you want, are you so interested in the scripture references? He said, no. I'm playing the huge Powerball lottery in Florida, and I'm looking for the last numbers on the lot uh, lottery uh, choice. And I'm, but, but this is what he said. He said, Neil, I want you to know, if I ever hit it rich, I'm going to build you a new church building. And I said to him, you're the biggest liar I've ever met. I told him that over the telephone. I said, I don't know that you've ever given a dime to the church. And you're telling me that if you strike it rich, you're going to give a huge portion of it to the church, then you're a liar. You see, a lazy person said, if I ever get it, then I'm going to use it. But the diligent person says, what I have right now, I'm going to use for God's glory. 
chapter 13, verse 4, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are satisfied. The diligent make goals uh, and, and work to meet those goals. Chapter, five, chapter 14, verse 23, it says, a poor man's field may produce abundant food, uh, but injustice uh, will sweep it away. I, I'm sorry, I was wrong chapter. Chapter 14, I said, and verse 23. That was a good verse too, but let's go to chapter, 20, chapter 14 and verse 23. It says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. Chapter 20, everybody turn to chapter 20, and let's read one last verse about working hard. Chapter 20, verse 13. It says, do not uh, love sleep, or you will grow poor. Stay awake, and you will have food to spare. Everybody has 24 hours to every single day, and it seems like the person who just is lazy never has time to do what needs to get done. Whereas the guy that's, or gal that's vigilant, hardworking, has 24 hours every day, but man, they always find times, time to do what needs to be done. Now I have two questions that to set that idea, laziness is bad, work is good. Two questions. Number one, is rest wrong? And the answer to that question is no. If it was, God sinned when he created the world. Remember the Bible says that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, God what? He rested. Matter of fact, one of the Ten Commandments is, remember the Sabbath day. Do you realize in Leviticus chapter 25, it talks about a sabbatical rest for the farm? I've only known one farmer ever, ever, ever to do this. A guy down in Wallaco, North Carolina, who uh, uh, would not plant in the seventh year on his farm because he believed that the Bible taught, and it does in Leviticus 25, if you will just trust me, you'll have more enough from the sixth year to provide for you all the way to the eighth year. And he did that every single uh, sixth, seventh year. That's an amazing thing. There's another question I want to ask you. By nature, do you think that your child, how many people have children or, you know, they may be grown, they may be little, raise your hand if you've got children. Okay, if you've got a children. Uh, good, I, that, I, a lot of y'all, I'm talking to a lot, of, a lot of us today. Do you think, think about your children, do you think that your children by nature lean toward laziness or gravitate toward hard work? Laziness. I want to tell you something. I, I don't know I've ever met a kid that uh, didn't lean toward laziness uh, because, man, they'll sit on the couch. Uh, you know, they'll goof off. They'll, they'll just kind of putz around and do nothing as long as their parents say, good to go for that. Folks, I want to ask you this question. Why is it that most of us, most of us, if given a choice, are going to rest back in laziness rather than lean into hard work. You know why? Because that's the way Satan wants us to be. You see, God established a rhythm between hard work and solid rest. And I have learned that I do not rest well unless I am in that rhythm. I can't work for 14 days in a row and take a day off and expect to rest well. God knew what he was talking about when he said, once a week you need to have a day 
to relax, man. A day to chill, not a day to work and kill yourself and have to do more and more and more, but a rest, a day just to rest and relax. Now, how do you teach your children? This is question number two. How do you teach your children these lessons about work and rest? Remember, laziness is what? Hard work, say it loud, is what? Good. How do you teach your children that? Let me give you five suggestions. These are mine. You can come up with some others, but these are ones that have worked for me in my home and for me personally. Number one, I believe you need to give your children servant responsibilities in the home. Mom taught me very, very early, early what it meant to wash dishes. I remember she taught me that long before I could reach the kitchen sink. I remember standing on a chair drying dishes before I was promoted to dishwasher, washing and drying dishes with my brother every single night after supper. Now, she wouldn't let me go toward the hot stove. She said, that's hot, but she said, you can wash and dry dishes. I got to ask this question. What do you think Mama did if I ever broke a dish? And I did. You know what she did to me? That's okay, son. We'd clean it up. We can always buy new dishes. You see, I didn't understand. She was trying to teach me something that I was more important and what was going on in my soul was more important than a dish. And if she had some very special dishes, she would say, just leave those, son, and I'll wash and dry those. Make, make sense to you? Mama taught me very, very early uh, to make my bed every single morning. You know what I would get if I went out to school any given morning of the week and my bed wasn't made? You know what I'd get when I came home at the end of the day? I'd get spanked. You know why? Because my mama had said, Neil, you need to make your bed every day. You know what I would have to do? I know this sounds harsh. It sounds mean. My mama sounds like a mean old person. But you know what I had to do every single night before I went to bed? Every night without exception. I had to take a bath. <laughs> Number one, I hated that. I tried to convince my mama one day that my arm was just like your arm. It was kind of brown, and I tried to say, Mama, it's a suntan. She said, no, it's not. It's dirt. Go in and well, take a bath, you know. And, uh, uh, you know I, and, uh, but besides that, you know what else I had to do? I had to pick up all my toys because Mama didn't put them there. Mama wasn't going to pick them up, and it was my job to pick them up. Mama taught me how to weed the flower beds. And I remember one day I was out in the, in the uh, not a flower bed, but I was in the, in the strawberry patch, and we were weeding all morning long, and it was hot, and I was tired. I said, Mama, I don't want to uh, weed any more weeds today. I, I'm, I'm going to quit. We need to have a union or something against mamas that are harsh, you know, and, and I just quit. She said, that's fine, that's fine son. Son's going to come up tomorrow, and I was going to let you quit here in just a few minutes and go play with your friends, but tomorrow, because you didn't want to weed today, guess what? You get to weed all day long tomorrow. And guess what? I did. I did. Now, you may be asking yourself, and I don't know, uh, I don't have a great solution on whether or not to pay kids an allowance or not. I never got an allowance when I was a kid, and our girls never got an allowance when they were kids either, and I'll tell you why. I went to Mama one day. I, did, uh, last week I talked about my buddy Petey Johnson. Y'all remember Petey Johnson? He was the guy that lived up the street. He was the kid that every, y'all, everybody has one that you go to your mom and say, well, Petey Johnson's parents never make him do this. You remember that story last week? Okay, I, went to, I was trying to convince my mom that getting an allowance was a good thing for doing chores around the house. And I went and told her, you know, Mama, Petey Johnson's mom and dad always give him an allowance for doing chores around the house. You know what my mama said to me? Go talk to Petey Johnson's daddy. Maybe he'd like to give you an allowance for doing chores around our house. 
Now, you can decide what you want to do, but this is what I do know. If the only reason your kids learn to do chores is the fact they're going to get paid for them, you have missed the boat as a parent. Your children need to learn servant responsibilities in the home. Number two, parent, you need to lead your children to do servant tasks right here at church. I don't know whether you know this or not, but just like your house, right here in this church building, we have a to-do list that never ends. We have grass that has to be mowed, flower beds that need to be weighted, light bulbs that need to be changed, carpets need to be vacuumed, floors that need to be mopped, chairs need to be cleaned, toilets or toilets, if you're not from southwest Virginia, that need to be scrubbed, trash that needs to be taken out, walls that need to be painted, and repairs that need to be done week after week after week after week after week. And I want you to see, y'all look at me, I want you to see this. You know how many paid custodial and maintenance staff we here to have here at the church? Zero. You know how many we will have in 10 years? Zero. You know how many we would have if we had 5,000 people in attendance? Zero. You know why? Because you and I need to learn how to serve in this place. There are spiritual stages of everybody's spiritual growth. When a person is born again, he becomes a spiritual infant. He's craving everything. Food, 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 food. He will next grow into being a spiritual child. Spiritual child, children are all about themselves, man. They are self-centered, selfish individuals. Then if he will grow, he will naturally become a, uh, and do the right things, he will naturally become a spiritual young adult. And if he will continue to grow, he will become a spiritual parent. Let me ask you this question. At what, which of those levels, infant, child, young adult, or parent, do you think most people in the church lock in on? Which one? Children. Spiritual children. Spiritual children. I'm not getting fed here, so I'm going to go someplace else so they'll feed me the way I want to be fed. It's not about me feeding you. It's about you feeding yourself, right? If you're an infant, I'll feed you. But if you're a child, you'll be feeding yourself. Does that make sense to you? Nobody's talked to me today. Uh, you know, I was at church today. The preacher didn't. I spoke to him. He didn't speak back to me. Can I tell you something? I am deaf on one side, and I've had people so ticked off at me because they walk past me and say hello, and I don't hear them. And I, I, literally, you're on this side. I'm not going to hear you. If you're blowing a train horn, I'm not going to hear you. You know? And uh, so, yeah, maybe I am stuck up. Maybe I don't uh, like you. Maybe I just didn't hear you. Spiritual child worries about all those things. You know the best way to move a spiritual child into becoming a spiritual young adult? You know what it is? Getting busy doing jobs in the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says my job is. God appointed me to be a pastor, not to do all the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, but to equip God's people to do the, say it, work of the ministry. Everybody's got a card around you someplace that says, uh, I want to help. Grab a card. Everybody grab a card. Uh, I want to help card. And uh, this is the ticket, folks. We've got a lot of things that need to be done around here, and we need people to do them. And by the way, I want to tell you this, and, and please understand how, why I'm saying this. I, I don't blow my horn a lot of times uh, by doing this, but I want to tell you this to explain what, what I'm trying to say to you. 
I would never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. Do you know how, how long it takes for one person to sweep and mop this floor here, right here in the great room? You know how long it takes? An hour and a half. You know how I know that? Because it took me an hour and a half to do it last Friday. And I do it a lot of times. And I'm not too big to stick my head in the toilet and clean toilets back in the back. I've done them over and over and over, and so is the rest of our staff as well. Y'all know that we have little kids every Sunday at the end of church that kind of make like, a, like bees run around picking up communion cups uh, when we have communion with little uh, disposable uh, communion cups. But you know what they don't do? They don't pick up your trash that you leave on the floor. I want to tell you this. If you are an adult or you are a child big enough to pour yourself a cup of coffee uh, in, back in the back and bring it into church, how dare you not be big enough to take that and throw it in the garbage can. We are not your slaves, all right? Grow up. Grow up. Get to work. Why am I saying all this? Uh, and then I'll tell you what to do with this. I'm telling you this because of this. Every Sunday, we have a guest amongst us. Every Sunday, we have a lot of guests. And some of y'all are guests. We're glad that you're here today. If you've been here more than one time, you ain't a guest no more, okay? Uh, just get over that, and now it's time for you to get busy and help us out here, all right? You're not a guest. But if you're a brand-new first-time guest here, thank you for coming. But you're not the most important guest here. You're not why we do this ministry. You know who the most important guest is here? Jesus Christ. The Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I will be present. This way I look at, folks. The Lord that died for me on a cross deserves the church building for clean and presentable. I get an amen on that? You know that's how that's going to happen here? You're going to do it. And if we grow to be 10,000, you know who's going to still be doing it? You're going to be doing it. Because there's something that happens to a person that learns to serve on their knees that they can learn anyplace else. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is what I want you to do. I want you to write down, your, print your name. I want you to print your telephone number and your email address. And I want you to write down there, hey, I would like to help with this. Might be cleaning windows, might be cleaning chairs, might be, uh, you know, scrubbing floors, might be helping to clean. And I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to say, hey, my small group does that. So does mine, all right? That'll be somebody else's job to do. No, I'll be your job. I'm too old to do that. No, you're not. I'm too young to do that. No, you're not. Uh, my back hurts. So is mine, all right? And uh, especially after I mop and sweep the floor, all right? Just get over yourself, all right? And I'll tell you what to do with these before the service is out. Number one, how to teach your children about rest and work. Number one, you need to give uh, servant responsibilities in the home. Number two, you need to lead your children to do servant tasks at the church. And number three, you need to show your children opportunities to serve in the community. Kids are born self-centered, and parents... God expects you to teach your children that their job is to serve somebody else. Children are self-centered. And your job, parents, is to teach them to serve somebody else. Folks, in our church, we have lots of ministry opportunities in our community all around us. And uh, I want to tell you about two that you could hook into as a parent, especially for maybe somebody who doesn't have kids still in the home, but you still want to be touched in with kids. Uh, every Thursday and uh, Tuesday and Thursday, 
that a Broadwater community, Harrogate Elementary uh, School, uh, is trying to start up a, 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 a tutoring mentoring program, a tutoring program uh, over there every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon. And they need volunteers. They need five adults that would say, hey, I, I want to do that. I want to do that. And by the way, if you're a worker, most employers will give time off for employees to go do community service, all right? And so we need five of them. You come talk to me after church, I'll get your name down, and I'll give you information about how to make, uh, make that happen. Number two, teachers at Harrogate Elementary School, like all teachers all over Chesterfield County, uh, are having a teacher-parent workday on the 5th of November, all right, on the 5th of November. And their principal, their principal asked us, could y'all provide soup and crackers for them that, that evening as they come? And we were you know, dumb enough to say, sure, our folks would love to do that. They would just love to do that. Well, we uh, have sent the list around uh, in first service, and I still have four pot, crock pots of soup that need to be cooked for the 5th of November. Now, I'm going to start this right over here, all right? And uh, y'all just go ahead. You're not a cooker, I can tell. I'll pass it back here to lie. I wrote them too. And, uh, uh, and uh, what I, I need is I need four people that would sign up before that list gets all the way around and back to me saying, man, I'll, I'll cook a, a crock pot of soup and I'll have it here for the fifth. Just keep passing it around. But I need four people. And if it gets back up here at the end and it ain't filled out yet, guess what? It's going to go back around another time. You know why? Because the maker of the list I'm going to go home with, all right, after a while. And uh, I want her to be very, very happy. So fill out. Uh, no, we need to feed those teachers over there. What a, can you imagine your kids helping you make a crock pot of soup? Why are we doing this? Because we're going to help some teachers. I don't like teachers. Well, y'all like teachers, you know? Y'all care for teachers. So make that happen and get that list back to me. Back up here uh, before we're done. Number three, number four, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, how to teach your children uh, about work and rest. Number four, you need to check your child's progress and let him experience the pain of discipline when needed. My mother never punished me for not doing the job I was supposed to do by giving me more work. She punished me by, uh, by, uh, with flash water, and then sometimes I'd have more work to do. Uh, but never make your child think that work is their punishment. And number five, you need to teach your children about what good rest is by scheduling memorable family rest days and vacation days. They don't have to cost much, but your kids sure need to spend some time with you. I remember when I was a kid, I uh, grew up in a single-parent home. Mama always, every Friday night, she took us out to eat and took us to a movie. Now, I was warped about movies because I never knew John Wayne. I saw every Doris Day movie that was ever invented, all right? And, uh, but uh, we, we went out. Why? And I, then I didn't know why. Now I understand why. Mama wanted to spend time with us, and more important, she wanted my brother and I to spend time with her. She took us on picnics to Claytor Lake Park on Saturday afternoons. She drove us to Washington, D.C. to spend the night with a cousin and go to see the monuments. Man, I was a tiny little scudder the first time I saw them. She took us to the beach. She took us to Cincinnati. She took me to Oshkosh, Wisconsin before I could ever, ever even remember it. Mama found ways that she could teach me that I just need to rest. How long has it been, parents, since you've taken off a Saturday to spend the whole day with your kids doing something they would be thrilled about and say, well, I, I don't have money to take them to King's Dominion. I know that. Take them on a picnic. 
Have you discovered this yet? You can spend a gazillion dollars for a little kid on a present, and they'll spend the rest of Christmas afternoon playing with the box that you gave them. You know, it doesn't take much to make them happy, but it takes a parent willing to care. Why should I do this? Let me give you three reasons very, very quickly, and then we're going to close. Why should I teach my children about work and rest? Number one, there are discipleship lessons that we can only learn on our knees. Let me give you some lessons that I've learned on my knees serving other people. I've learned that I'm not too big for small tasks when I'm on my knees. I've learned that by serving on my knees, that that's the greatest place in the world to learn to pray on my knees. And I've learned that everyone's needs seem more important when I'm on my knees looking up at them rather than standing tall looking down on them. Folks, your child must learn every discipleship lesson that you've ever learned on your knees if you want them to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. It does not happen by osmosis. It does not happen by teaching them or lecturing them. They've got to see you on your knees and then follow you on their knees. Number two, why should I teach my children uh, about work and rest? Number two, I believe that most evangelistic conversations grow out of our work ethic. Let me explain what I mean. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work at it as if you're working for Christ. Because the lost world's always looking. How come people never ask you about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe it's because they never see anything in you that they really need in their life. Or maybe it's because they watch the way you work. You see, folks, if you're not working a solid day work, solid day's work, and giving the best of all that you are for your employer, your friends will see the way you work. Are you late for work all the time? Do you waste time in the boss's resources? Do your workers see Jesus in your attitude, or do they see in you an attitude that, quite frankly, stinks in every single uh, day of your job? Folks, your children are going to see in the mirror tomorrow the very image that you see in the mirror today. But the last and by far most important reason why you need to teach your children to work hard and rest well is that heaven is going to be a place of productive work and satisfying rest. I know there's a lot of people who say, oh no, when I get to heaven, man, I'm going to chill out. There's going to be a big sofa, uh, you know, uh, Coors Light or whatever it is I want to drink. You know, I'm just going to kick back, watch the NFL all all afternoon, and that's just going to be fun, or, 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 you know, I'm going to be eating bonbons and getting my hair done, my nails done, all that stuff. They're going to be coming and serving me all the time. Then you had not read the Bible. Because the Bible says heaven's going to be a place of productive work. It's going to be a place of very, very satisfying rest. Did you know the Bible also describes hell, and it describes it as a place of endless drudgery and of restless existence. Folks, the Bible teaches a rhythm between work and rest. Work and rest. Work and rest. For a reason. And that 
because in all of eternity in heaven, you're going to spend days and times of good, solid, productive work, followed by blessed rest. Parent, God has given you the responsibility of getting your child to heaven. And unless you're zealous for the task, Satan's going to beat you to the punch every time, and uh, your kids are going to miss heaven. And they're going to spend an eternity with Satan in hell. Well, you've got your I want to help cards, and I want you to have them in your hands right now. We're going to sing a song. We're going to close out uh, uh, on upbeat. We're going to sing a song. And while we're singing, I just want you to get up out of your seat and uh, carry them over to there's a basket at the cross. There's uh, There's going to be a mirror looking at you in the face. And I want you to notice the image that you see in the face as you kind of kneel down, put your card, I, I, I need to help, I want to help card in the, in the basket over there. I want people by the dozens to get up and come and say, man, I want to be a part of this ministry, and I want my, my, my children to learn to do the same thing by getting up out of your seat and coming to that place. Let's pray together, and then let's close out in song. Father God, thank you very much for this time of worship, this time of focusing in on your word. And now, God, as we commit ourselves afresh and anew to be in the kingdom of God, I pray, Father, that you will uh, just be blessed, be blessed, Father, by our attitude of uh, sacrifice and a desire to serve and a desire to teach our children to do exactly the same thing. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Charlie?